0: Today, we are speaking with Dr. Kate Hurley. Many of you know her. She's been a previous guest on the Community Cats Podcast. She is episode number 47 in the past. I can't believe it's been almost three years since we had her on. If you're interested in finding out about Dr. Hurley's past experiences and how she got started in animal welfare, I highly recommend you go to the thecommunitycatspodcast.com and in the search bar, you can put in the number 47 or search Hurley and her episode will come up and you can learn more about how she got involved in animal welfare. But today we're doing a catch-up episode with Dr. Hurley. Many of you know her as one of the leaders of the Million Cat Challenge.
1: And so Dr. Hurley, I'd like to just welcome you to the show. Thanks so much. It's so great to be here and also to be able to just share kind of a stunning transformation that has taken place in the field of animal sheltering for cats since the last time I was on this show. Feel free to go
0: back and think back to 2016 and walk us through what's been happening with the
1: Million Cat Challenge. I mean, I think even in 2016, we had a sense, I might have described it as kind of like we jumped into what we thought was the little VW and it turned out to be a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> like that, the appetite for the initiatives of the Million Cat Challenge, the eagerness of shelters to participate, and the success that they had was astonishing. It was sort of stunning, even for me, who's been in this a long time and has always had a lot of faith in this field, and you know, taken a lot of pride in being a part of animal sheltering. I believed in us, but this certainly reinforced that belief a thousandfold. It felt like a million cats. Against each shelter's own baseline, so a million more lives saved, against the baseline numbers shelters were saving before they joined the Million Cat Challenge, that seemed like a stretch. And the fact that I'm here today to say we hit that goal and beat it a year early, almost a year ago now at HSUS Expo, I got to announce to a crowd in Kansas City and probably... Maybe the peak minute of my entire life. The the Million Cat Challenge shelters had saved over 1 million, uh, exactly actually, 1,148,129 more cat lives compared to their own baseline before joining the Million Cat Challenge as of the end of 2017. So that was one full year before the challenge officially ended and before we were expecting to reach our official goal. We're just now collecting the data to see where we actually got in five years. And I think that the results are going to be spectacular. The numbers that we're seeing from the shelters that are reporting data now, we're seeing so many shelters that decreased euthanasia by 80 or 90 percent from whether it's from 25,000 to 2,000 cats or from 5,000 to 500 cats or from 500 cats to 16 compared to when, before they joined the challenge or before the Million Cat Challenge in 2012 to now. Spectacular. And I'd love to share a little bit more about the details behind those those numbers if you think your listeners would be interested.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it seems like what I'm hearing in your energy and your voice is that you've got a snowball effect maybe happening a little bit. So that leads into some of the thoughts and information that you have.
1: I think so. you know, And certainly the Million Cat Challenge didn't create any of the five initiatives. Those arose from the field. Those were being implemented already by shelters across North America. And what we wanted to do was really amplify those successes, put challengers in connection with one another, and make this progress visible to inspire both commitment and hope to know that this can be done. And we have challengers from a tip of Florida, way up in southern Canada and northern Alaska. We have shelters of every size from a few dozen to tens of thousands of animals a year intake to really prove that these are not just one-offs. This can be the new norm for cats. And more and more is becoming the new norm and the expectation that we have for ourselves and communities have for, for shelters in terms of what we can provide and what we should provide and what shelter staff deserve to be able to provide for cats.
0: So share away. Let me know what information you have. What are your biggest takeaways?
1: Overall, there are a lot of cats being admitted by shelters in the Million Cat Challenge. About half of the estimated overall U.S. cat intake is passing through a shelter that is a member of the Million Cat Challenge. We don't know, of course, how many shelters there are in the United States or in North America, but just as a measure of sort of the, the scope of the Million Cat Challenge, that's pretty darn good. Shelters in the Million Cat Challenge before the challenge in 2012, which we chose as our baseline year, took in just about 1.7 million cats. Their intake actually dropped by about 175,000 overall. So fewer cats are being admitted to shelters in the Million Cat Challenge. But it was an interesting pattern where the smallest shelters in the Million Cat Challenge actually grew. So the smallest shelters, shelters that took in less than 500 cats a year, overall took in 70,000 more cats a year in 2017 compared to 2012. Whereas the largest shelters, the shelters that took in more than 5,000 cats a year, took in about 160,000 fewer cats. So we really saw a better distribution of cats where some of the largest shelters were getting less overwhelmed and some of the smaller shelters were finding ways to step up and actually increase their life-saving capacity. So I think that that's an interesting story. I'm gonna, Actually, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt
0: you there because I think it is fascinating uh, because I see this in New England all the time because, you know, we hear about the larger shelters in New England having quite a bit of capacity and lots of space and the smaller shelters still saying that they're overwhelmed, they're busting at the seams and that kind of thing. So you're seeing that too across the country.
1: No, I think what we're seeing is that the smaller shelters actually found ways to increase their capacity. Mm-hmm. in a positive way. Mm-hmm. They weren't housing more cats at any one time. Right. But the middle initiative of the Million Cat Challenge, Capacity for Care, mm-hmm. is really about how to move cats through sh- shelters more successfully. Yep. And I actually see this having more impact sometimes on smaller shelters. And I know some of these shelters that have almost doubled their throughput of cats while actually housing half as many cats at any one time because they've done such a good job of improving their humane housing and care of cats. And it's one of the breakthroughs that we've had that I think is really profound for the well-being of cats, as well as for the success of shelters, is recognizing that not busting at the seams, but actually housing fewer cats at once in better conditions means the cats stay so much healthier and so much less stressed, and it's so much cheaper to care for healthier, less stressed cats that these shelters are actually able to really increase the number of cats that they're able to admit. So they're able to increase the number of either transfers in that they take from the larger organizations that are in more overwhelmed areas of the country or able to just provide an alternative safety net for cats in the community so that they don't have to go into, say, the public shelter that might be really struggling for resources. That's been a fascinating thing to see. And one of the really unexpected parts of the Million Cat Challenge, I thought overall cat intake would go down. I didn't expect to see this pattern of it. And it's almost exactly like the smallest shelters grew the most. Shelters that took in between 500 and 2,000 cats a year, there was almost no change in intake. Shelters that took in between 2,000 and 5,000 dropped intake by about 75,000. And then the biggest shelters, as I said, they dropped it the most. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. I find it very interesting because we've also in the last 20 to 25 years had probably the most growth of small group creation um, in terms of 501c3s and that kind of thing. And I have always wondered about their longevity, whether they would phase out as sort of that overall supply should be reducing, mm-hmm. but it seems like that's not happening.
1: I mean, maybe happening, but... At least for these shelters that were shelters that provided data in both 2012 and 2017. So we have that five-year comparison. So this is the same set of just about a little over a 1,000 shelters provided this data. So it's an extraordinary data set. This same group of shelters, the smaller ones, sustained and grew. That's great. It seems like they're becoming more well-established. They're hitting their stride. Yeah, and a lot of it really is, you know, another thing that would be fun to talk about sometimes is just the story of the portal, um, which I may have mentioned, but it's just, you know, it's an insert. I don't know. Have you seen one? A yes, portal I in action? Yep. Yep. All right. So right. You're familiar with that concept. It's just getting these small shelters equipped with port. I mean, getting shelters of any size equipped with portals, but we often see the impact. We put portals in small shelters, double the amount of space per cat and drop their housing capacity in half. And we see them, instead of feeling like they don't have enough housing capacity, we see them time and time again run out of cats because the cats do so much better that they just move through the shelter extraordinarily fast and they experience catlessness for the first time in their history. And then they start looking around for cats. And we actually saw that posted on the Million Cat Discussion Group, like, I can't believe I'm posting this, but we are out of cats. Does anyone have some cats they would like to send us? And that's becoming more the norm. But the first time I saw it, I was like, wait, what? Yep. yep. Portal induced catlessness. It's a thing. So any other discoveries? So a couple of other fun statistics. There was two ways that shelters in the Million Cat Challenge could contribute to that million. They could drop euthanasia. So that was the biggest way that we got to that million. But there were some shelters that joined the Million Cat Challenge that already weren't euthanizing cats, or they were only euthanizing cats where that was really the appropriate outcome to relieve suffering. So they could do it by just increasing their live release. So that's what some of those shelters did. Some of those small shelters that got bigger, they just doubled the number of cats that they took in and then released alive. Overall, comparing 2017 to 2012, live release went up by 326,759 more cats just in that single year compared to 2012. So now I'm talking about just like baseline before the Million Cat Challenge and now. The overall live release rate, for Shelters in the Million Cat Challenge went from 53% to 81%, and euthanasia decreased by 478,541 cats per year. That comes out to 1,311 fewer cats euthanized per day, and here is my favorite statistic if shelters had been euthanizing cats 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, that would be 55 fewer cats an hour. 365 days a year almost one less cat a minute so we can now count minutes in fewer cats euthanized time in the time i'll talk to you 20 fewer cats will lose their lives in animal shelters because of the progress we've made in this field in the last five years and that's that's stunning that's stunning to me every minute of every day we can think about one cat we can be grateful for that so grateful it's amazing Amazing the changes
0: for community cats and all cats, really, that are out there. Today's episode is sponsored by Space Kitty Express, your one-stop shop for exotic cat drugs. Everyone's heard of catnip, but what about valerian root, tatarian honeysuckle, or silver vine? Space Kitty Express specializes in offering these hard-to-find catnip alternatives, both in their herbal form and stuffed into a variety of reusable toys. Their herbs are 100% pure, not like those quote-unquote catnip blends you might find in a pet store. Their tartarian honeysuckle wood is cut fresh and kept frozen to lock in its citrusy scent. Their silver vine exudes a mintiness that tingles the nostrils. Their organic valerian root is so musky that they've had to blend it with organic lemongrass so that human noses can tolerate it. Cats can definitely tell the difference between these quality herbs and that stale catnip from the big box store. Visit SpaceKittyExpress.com and watch videos from satisfied feline customers. Use coupon code COMMUNITYCATS, all one word, at checkout to receive 10% off your purchase that's spacekittyexpress.com with coupon code Cats. Doesn't your cat deserve the best? Spoil them today at spacekittyexpress.com. Catalogical exists to help cat parents love their kitties better with the most in-depth cat food reviews online plus hundreds of other fact-based articles. Catalogical is your one-stop shop when it comes to learning more about your cat. Catalogical works with multiple retail partners to provide custom coupons on everything from automatic litter boxes to microbiome testing, so you're also likely to save when you choose one of their recommended products. It is amazing what the Million Cat Challenge has done and is doing. As you look forward to the next phase of the Million Cat Challenge, are there new initiatives out there, or are you continuing the data tracking? What's the next step?
1: Yeah, obviously, there's a next step, isn't there? You knew that (laughs) we would never finish with just a million, like we'd never be satisfied. (laughs) That's the nature of the business, Dr. Hurley. It's the nature of the business, the nature of cats, right? So we took a moment to pause and celebrate. And then we thought about, okay, what's next? And it was actually a little bit of a conundrum. You know, originally, we thought maybe like, would we go for a million in a single year? But the truth is, there may not be enough cats at risk to save a million more in a single year. So now I estimated that maybe about 800,000 cats are being euthanized in US shelters and like that's still way too many. But you know, some proportion of that probably are like genuinely terminally suffering cats where euthanasia is the right outcome. So there's not a million there left to potentially save. And anyway, if it's always on a yearly basis, we're still not done, right? So then we were like, you know, originally we called the Million Cat Challenge. We were going to call it the Feline Euthanasia Zero Project. And I actually trained my cat to wear an adorable little fez. It was so cute. I was really invested in this. But, you know, as we started talking about what that would really look like, we recognized that, you know, sometimes euthanasia is the right outcome for a cat that's suffering. I'm a veterinarian and that's a tool that I want to have available. And at the same time. There were casts that we considered untreatable, unsavable just a few years ago that are now being saved as a matter of course. And I think FIV is a good example of that. And even feral cats are an example of that, where, you know, 10 years ago, a lot of shelters just considered euthanasia the only possible outcome for feral cats, where now we recognize that feral cats are the easiest one to save. If they come in in good body condition, they're doing fine where they are, sterilize them, ear tip them, vaccinate them, and send them right home. So we didn't want to set a bar that really was way too low compared to what we can, what we're actually capable of. So we agonized about it. And then actually, it was sort of an offhand text from a friend of mine who's like, what's next? Hashtag all the cats. And I saw that text and I showed it to Julie and we were both like, yeah, that is actually what we want. We want all the cats. And what that means to us is that we want the right outcome for every single cat that comes to a shelter in North America. Whether the right outcome is a cat that's genuinely lost goes back to its owner, right? That's the right outcome for that cat. That cat shouldn't be adopted to a new home. That cat has somebody who loves her already, who misses her, and that cat should go home. And for a cat that is a pet cat that lives in a house and has lost its home, owner has died, their life circumstances have changed, they've gone into a nursing home, they really can't keep that cat, that cat should go to a new home. And for a cat that already has a home in the community that is an outdoor cat, that is valued and cared for by people in the community, that's holding a niche in the community so that more cats can't immigrate and cause more trouble, that cat should be sterilized and go right back. And a cat that is suffering, that can't be relieved any other way, that cat should be humanely euthanized with a minimum of stress. And for so many cats, we now recognize the right outcome is to not come into the shelter at all, but to find a way to solve that problem or solve the concern for that cat and let it stay in its home or in the community where it is already doing well. And so that's, what, that's what's next for the and Cat Challenge. And that's really what we mean by hashtag all the cats. In terms of any uh, special
0: initiatives going forward, is there any more details around that?
1: Yeah, so there's two elements um, of details around that. One is our approach. I think the reason why we saw this huge jump in success with cats in the last five years, and this was reflected in the five initiatives of the Million Cat Challenge, we were specific and holistic in our approach. And by specific, I mean we didn't paint cats with a dog brush, right? Right. When we were trying to use techniques that worked really well for dogs, they didn't work for cats. They didn't work for cats because cats aren't just like small, angry dogs in a little fursuit. We also didn't work well for cats because they didn't acknowledge the existence of an unowned and free-roaming cat population, which we don't have for dogs. So we were taking techniques that assumed an owner was associated with every animal and trying to apply them to a population where that just wasn't true at all. But when we applied techniques that were really specific to the reality of cats, to their behavior, to their needs, to their to their physical well-being and their health and their particular concerns and to the reality of their sort of population dynamics in North America, we saw much more dramatic success. So that's what I mean by specific. And then mm-hmm. when I say holistic, you know, for a long time, we'd really been focusing on the outcome end of the equation in shelters and especially on, on trying to adopt our way out of this mess. And again, that worked really well for dogs. Dogs have an owner to reclaim them. And then if they're not reclaimed, many dogs are suited to being in a pet home. But for cats, by just focusing on the adoption option, we were leaving out community cats that weren't suited to being placed in a pet home, as well as not fully exploring working cat options for cats that really didn't just fit in a pet context but also we weren't looking at the full equation, all the areas where we could intervene from before the cat came into the shelter. So that's what I really love about the five initiatives of the Million Cat Challenge, is they take us from finding an alternative before the cat comes in the shelter, If the cat comes into the shelter, figuring out when it should come into the shelter through managed or coordinated admission, making sure it has the right care while it's in the shelter through capacity for care, and then finding the right outcome through removing barriers to adoption and return to field for community cats. So now we're taking that same framework and reapplying it in a more granular way to the populations that shelters still struggle with. So, for instance, the initiative that I'm working on this afternoon is a kitten summit, which like, how great is that? Where we're taking the five initiatives of the Million Cat Challenge and now applying them specifically to neonatal kittens, which are a group that's very much at risk still in a lot of shelters. And the alternatives to intake or the capacity for care for a neonatal kitten is really different than it would be for, say, a less social free-roaming community cat or for a 14-year-old cat that thinks outside the litter box. So taking the subgroups now of what makes up hashtag all the cats – So the way we've divided it out is like we've got our five key initiatives, and then we've also got our different groups of cats that are are still at risk in animal shelters, whether that's underage kittens or still some shelters are still struggling with healthy, friendly stray adult cats. For some shelters, and especially you might be familiar with this in areas of the urban northeast In some coastal areas where they're really doing well with overpopulation as a whole, the challenge is cats that need all their teeth extracted. So cats with extensive medical needs or cats that have behavior challenges or, you know, for some shelters still working on, you know, not the healthy friendly strays, but the healthy, less social stray cats or cats that aren't suitable to be placed into a home. You know, and again, there's still different ways both to provide alternatives to intake, to redirect those to TNR resources, and to build our skills and promote the knowledge of how to help community members solve nuisance problems and welfare concerns about free-roaming cats without bringing them into a shelter at all. When they come into a shelter, capacity for care for a feral cat that's not used to being handled, they don't want to be housed in the same way that Fluffy cans who's used to being inside a living room on a couch, wants to be housed in a shelter. So making sure that when if they do come into the shelter, they have the right care that meets their needs as an individual, not the overall needs of cats as a giant group. And that we find the right outcome for them, whether that's returned to where they were or recognizing that sometimes returning a cat to where it was thriving is not a safe choice because, you know, the warehouse they were living in is burned down or somebody is poisoning cats in the area or for whatever reason. And so really expanding our skill in relocating cats, which you know is very challenging, but expanding the options for those cats that can't go back where they came from.
0: I know that was a lot, but does that all make sense? Yes, it does. It's a, amazing. It's just, it's so wonderful to be able to talk about the fact that we can provide something for every cat, kitten of any age, and we're just going to continue to build upon that. The Million Cat Challenge is supported by a variety of, of organizations. Are there any organizations that you'd like to make mention of today?
1: Really, the Million Cat Challenges got the vast majority of our support from Maddie's Fund. They saw our vision from the first, and they have been amazing partners. Not only, you know, they've provided the vast majority of financial support, but also can see our webinars featured on their platform, and you can go take a Million Cat Challenge class at Maddie's University. We have our Million Cat Forum in the Maddie's Discussion Forum. So they are really our, our biggest partner. Yeah.
0: And then uh,
1: there is a video that you did recently on uh,
0: birds and, and wildlife. So we'll make sure we have that link in the show notes.
1: If I could just finish with a call to action for your viewers. Sure. So I said shelters caring for about half the cats in the United States are in the Million Cat Challenge. It's more now. It's more now. We don't have that data. There's still nearly half the cats in the United States are going into shelters that aren't part of the Million Count Challenge. And really one of the biggest challenges for us now is reaching those shelters because there are shelters that don't get out to conferences, that don't subscribe to all the newsletters. Maybe they don't even listen to this podcast, God forbid, (laughs) but they might be in the town of one of your listeners and they might be struggling, not just the cats, but the people in that shelter. And they might need to know about this resource and just how much hope there really is, and how many possibilities there are. And it doesn't have to be a wealthy shelter. They don't have to have a good building. They don't even have to have a vet on staff. They can make change for cats. So if you're listening to this, I want you to go right now or make a note to yourself, write it on your arm with a Sharpie, like I do. (laughs) Go to millioncatchallenge.org and click on who's involved. And then you can actually Type in the name of a shelter in the little search box there, or just click on your state in the drop-down search boxes underneath the giant map of all the challengers and see if the shelter in your city is part of the Million Cat Challenge. And if they're not, go tell them hi. Write the link to this podcast and the link to millioncatchallenge.org and encourage them to check it out because we're here to help. We can get to the point where every cat that comes to a shelter in North America gets the right outcome, and if it has to come to the shelter, it gets the right care. Dr.
0: Hurley, that's great. And it's great final thought for the show today. And I appreciate you so much for taking the time to be a guest on the show. And hopefully it won't take us another almost three years to get back together again for an update. But I really appreciate you being on the show today. And I look forward to having you on again in the future.
1: Yeah, terrific. Let's touch base when we get there, huh? Excellent.
0: Congratulations. Thanks.